0: to keep in the in where I've been talking about, uh, I'm going to keep in that vein today, but I want to go back and the, the, you know the neat, the neat thing about being up in front of people and talking is you at least if you're at the caliber of communication I'm at, you spend 50% of your time making messes and 50% of your time cleaning up the mess that you made in the previous weeks. So I'm gonna take a few minutes, and I I, I don't know that I completely made a mess, but just from some comments that have come back, I I wanna clear up a couple things. So the video that I showed several weeks back, the different ones said, oh my goodness, I had never thought about how giving can actually hurt. I never thought about my Desire to help somebody can actually do more harm than good, so maybe I shouldn't be doing any of that. Well, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> what, what I am saying and what I'm continuing to say is that we have been entrenched in a worldview of how finances and culture and, and even races function. That's not the reality of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, all that is different. So, in the area of charity and charity work and helping and things that we, you know, like that were on the video and, you know, and how, you know, well well well-intentioned on one side becomes destructive when it actually works itself out. What all I'm saying at this point for us, and I think where the church is. We need to start asking better questions. But in the middle of asking better questions and getting better answers, we are still working within a system that is actually against the individual being empowered and rising up, but is designed to keep them in a cluster, keep them down, put a title on them, and then say what they're capable of and what they're not capable of. That is the world system. And all of us that are out, that do anything, we we push up against that on a regular basis, whether at a personal level, corporate level, you know, international level. Um, I, I I'm spending more and more of my time pushing against that on an international level. And when you start pushing against it on an international level, you you start becoming aware that the the powers of this world are well financed, they're big, they're powerful, and they control a lot of things. So I'm not trying to totally destroy something. I'm just working within what's already there. We are working within what's already there. What I'm saying is we need to ask the right questions so we have the right answers. So when we do step into the enemy's camp, to dislodge something, we know who we are, why we're there, and what the outcome of my being there, the outcome, as we've said all morning, I am the image of Christ on the earth. You are. So I need to know what does that actually look like, and when people see me, what are they seeing? And we only get there if we ask the right questions. Otherwise, I assume things, and most of us, when we make assumptions, our assumptions will default back to the world system because that's what we grew up in. We can spiritualize it and give it different words, but I've just defaulted back to the world system. And I believe that what's happening on the earth right now in this, uh, this time of reformation is the church is rising up, beginning to find out who she is and function that way. Um, As a side note, which has, well, just as a side note, I I find this interesting, And and it's an observation that I have, it's an experience that I've had, is, so why does the world system actually hate the Christian on the world stage? I mean, you know, we show up wanting to do something, doing something in a charitable way, and all of a sudden we're confronted with forces that actually want to shut it down and shut us down. Why is it when certain world governmental systems rise up, one of the first things that they do is we need to lock up and kill the Christians? But we're just the shopkeepers. We're just the moms. We're just the dads. We're just the families living in the town. What's so threatening about somebody that says, I follow Jesus? I didn't take up guns. I didn't form an army. What? Well, part of the answer, obviously, it's been that way since Jesus showed up. I mean, how is it you couldn't like that guy? I mean, what was it about Jesus that was so stinking offensive? Even the Roman government, even Pilate went, I don't get it. <laughs> what are you doing standing next to me? Do you, I mean, what what are you trying to accomplish? The, the, to me, the, the root of it comes down to the Gospel of Jesus Christ, if we hear it, if we live it, if we if it is in us and it's coming out of us, it's a self, it's a, a liberating voice of the individual. It liberates the individual. It recognizes the individual. It says the individual has choices. You've made some bad choices, but there's a way to make good choices. But you Individual, you have the ability to make choices. The world system says, we make the choices, you march in the line we tell you to march in. That's why Christianity will always be a danger to the world system. Because it says that the individual is the one that's created in the image of God. Not a world government, not a world system, not a world monetary. None of the other stuff. No, no, no. The man, the woman, you're created in the image of God. And in you personally, individually, there is a distinct assignment from your creator to be released on the earth. Christianity will always be in opposition to the world system, not because we're going to start armies and overthrow governments. We're, we're, a, we're a threat to the world system when we stand up, as I said the other week, when we stand up and go, I am an individual. You will see me as an individual, and I will not submit to the label you want to put on me, and I will never be your victim. Never. Never. And that makes the ruler of this world very nervous. And it fascinates me, but he's, the system is also so... <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a nice word. The system is so stupid that it still thinks... The way to silence the believer is to kill them. Okay. But don't you understand? I mean, Christians on the, on the planet, we are like whack the mole, man. You can whack one of us, but two marvelous pop up out of the hole. <laughs> you, you, you're not going to win that game because the kingdom of our God is what's advancing, and your kingdom is what's diminishing. So you can take your club. And try to whack us, and you'll get some of us, but for every one that you whack, two, three more pop up. Which is the amazing thing about the gospel. Why does somebody in a place where you know to say yes to Jesus is accepting a death sentence? And something inside of you says, yes. That's illogical. (laughs) Logical people don't make, normally don't make decisions that could end their life, except these Christians. Because we've already, somehow or another, something inside of us, and obviously the scriptures aid us in that understanding, but you can't kill me. You can, you can kill this, but even that's momentary. Because in the resurrection, this shows back up. So we, we, without any reservation, something inside of our heart says yes to something that we've never seen, and aligns with the scriptures and begins to live in a, in a lifestyle that you're like, it just puts us contrary to anybody, everybody. So when we're, as we're moving into, into world systems and bringing the real help that needs to come to people so that they're empowered, they're set free, they understand their own identity, their own individuality and they realize that they are created by a creator. And that creator sees them, knows them, is in them, and they are in him. As we're doing that, then the aid, the help that we offer is in line with that. Right. So I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm just saying ask the right questions. Allow Holy Spirit to develop strategy within us. That strategy will be contrary to the the, the, the normal current of ideas and actions. Um, so that's the first one. The second one, I was talking the last time I talked. Was that last week? I think so. OK. I, yeah. I, I had this like flash for a moment when, Amanda, earlier, you started to say something, and you go, but I'll talk about that later. And then you went on to talk about what you were talking about. And I'm sitting there going, is this the second Sunday? Is this the like second Sunday? Am I not supposed to be speaking? I don't even know what day this is. Thankfully, you, you've set me straight because next week's cover Dish so I can back up from there. I had a weird mental feeling that was going on in someone's head when I said that. Well, it was mine. So last week I talked about, and we were looking at some scriptures on having the mind of Christ. When I have the mind of Christ, it, it's not a transformation of my IQ. That's not what Paul was inferring when he talked about putting on the mind of Christ. We got talking about this in the Gafka discussion this past Tuesday night, which, because we I'd been talking about it on Sunday. It was fun to see it all kind of come up, and we got to go further. And this is what came out of that discussion, that when... What the scripture is inferring when it says put on the mind of Christ is that that um, the Greek phrase put on isn't like I get a new brain. What it's actually inferring is that I when I'm putting on the mind of Christ, I'm aligning with his journey. So Jesus is walking. He's, he's accomplishing things. Now, I come in, I am a believer, and I am I'm encouraged to put on the mind of Christ. Well, the putting on of the mind of Christ is I'm aligning with, what, with his journey and being allowed to be taken with him on the journey. It's, it's an accepting of the path that he's on, so then I'm reflecting that on the world wherever I'm at. So, you know, you don't get a new brain. You got a good brain. Uh, your IQ won't go up considerably uh, if you couldn't get into Harvard before, but now you got the mind of Christ and you passed the Harvard entry exam. Well, actually, if you had the mind of Christ, you wouldn't go to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, I just, that's too far. But anyway, you, you get my point, you get my point. So there, those are two things I think I left kind of maybe in a murky state, and I don't, I didn't want to do that. Today, we're going to be in Matthew 25, starting with verse 14. It's a parable that you know well. Um, and again, Mike, you said it at the beginning of the service today that in, the, in Jesus, in the parables, um, parables are so multi dimensional. Um, and so, what what is Jesus doing in this parable of the talents, and I'm going to talk about it from partly from a financial side, but I am I'm going to talk about it more from from what is it at a personal level? What is the talent? So let's let's read through this first. I'm going to be reading it out of uh, I decided on the Passion today. Um, and a while back, somebody asked me, "Can you just like?" pick one translation and stay there so i know what what bible i should use yeah just just get more translations i i and i and i appreciate the angst that i can cause that it causes cuz cause, you know we get used to a particular translation but i i you know i like you have access to many, and when I'm looking at something, I often will, okay, well, which translation here is kind of saying it in a way that I think is, makes it easy for us to hear? So on this one, it's the passion. Again, heaven's kingdom realm is like the wealthy man who went on a long journey and summoned all his trusted servants and assigned his financial management over to them. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and to the third a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage. So let's stop there for a minute. When we're talking about talents, whatever they are, it's assigned to us to our ability to manage. So... God is already aware of my frame. He's already aware of what I can manage. Now, in in that, that does not mean that's my ceiling. That just simply means at the time that, that something from the heaven realm is coming into my life and I'm supposed to steward it, that entry point is going to be where I am and how I'm able to steward it. The goal is, even though I have a choice, and we're going to look at that, but the goal is I steward it well because in the kingdom, God's intent is to increase, not decrease. So he's looking for servants who are trustworthy, who then can steward something and see an increase from it. So after much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. The one one that was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came and brought 10,000, saying, See, I've doubled your money. Commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well and proven yourself to be a loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you you have been a faithful steward to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more you will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came and said, see my master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. And commending his servant, the master replied, you have done well and proven yourself to be a loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage the small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more you will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come, celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and said, look, sir, I know that you are a hard man to please and you're a shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. Probably not the best way to address your boss. I was afraid of you. So I went, and I hid your money, and I buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It's yours. Angered by what he heard, the master said to him, You're an untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have received it back with interest when I returned. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins and give them to the one who has 10,000. For the one who has will be given more until he overflows with abundance. And to the one with hardly anything, even that little he has will be taken away. Then the master said to his servants, Now throw the good-for-nothing servant away from me into outer darkness, and there will be great misery and anguish." This is a happy, happy parable. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this is all that. This whole parable has been talked about this morning before I ever stood up. It is, it is that place where my stewardship is important. when I start, uh, when I when I enter into this relationship with Jesus, as we've said over and over again, this is not about just Go into heaven. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about my life now comes in union with the creator of the universe. His life now comes in union with me, and I am no longer my own, but I am his servant. And I did that by choice. We were singing today one of the, you know, one of the verses, which is a scripture, is that, you know, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord Nobody is going to bow and nobody is going to confess with a boot on their neck. It will be the choice you're making out of having a right relationship with the creator of the universe. Um, you know, this, isn't, this isn't like a, um, when an army comes in and all the captured soldiers all have to line up and bow down to the king and after they say, Yes, you're king. They lop their heads off. That's that's not what the scripture is saying because that's not how love functions. Love is never going to put a boot on another's neck and demand anything from that one, no matter how opposed to the one they may be. Somehow love turns this thing. Somehow love does win. But it's love that wins. It's not control. It's not... You know, it's not anything like that. So here's this, here's this place where the master gives to the servants. To the first one, you know, here's, here's 5,000. To this one, here's 2,000. To this one, there's 1,000. And so we, we know the story, and we all probably could recite this story without even opening the scripture. A couple of things, though, that, that I want us to look at today. One, and this, this parable clearly addresses this, how I see God is going to determine how I order my life. It's just, it's just the way it is. The, the one that was afraid and saw the master through this, you're, you know, you're you're a mean guy, you're a shrewd guy, saw him in that context operated exactly by what he, how he saw the master. The other two, they operated exactly the way they saw their master. They knew the master wanted an increase, and they went about it and doubled what the master had given them. Not out of fear, but out of expectation that this is the way it works with my master. What my master brings in it increases. I'm part of that increase. And they went out and, and went after it. The one that was that saw the master differently buried the talent and wasn't, wasn't really bothered by the, the definition that he gave to the master. So first, the way I look at God will de- determine how I order my life. Um, God will allow us to steward his kingdom, and how we steward it will reveal the matters of our heart, which is what you were saying, Amanda, with even the exercise that uh, classes that you guys are going to be starting, which I think are great, and I hope everybody will jump in with that. Uh, but the, 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 uh, God comes and he gives me this ability to steward something. In the beginning, it starts off with whatever my capability is to steward, whatever it is he's given me. Because each of us are given a measure of faith. So in whatever he gives me, there is a measure of faith that comes with that, that helps, you know, that, that's part of me moving that forward. I have a measure of faith. I, if I could say it this way, though, the, the servant with the thousand talents operated in faith just like the servant of 10,000. The difference was not faith, but what was driving faith and what was faith directed in. If I I believe that God is a taskmaster, a hard taskmaster, and that he he um, uh, he will inflict me without even, I don't even know why. So if, if when I come to places of suffering, do I see that suffering as this is something that God has put on me and that somehow in the midst of all that, I guess I'm supposed to figure something out. I hope, you know, I hope I figure it out. So that's one way of seeing him. Or do I see it that, yeah, there's sufferings in this world. Yes, I, they're, they're now, I'm, I'm in it. It's part of me. But what I know is God is with me in it. He walks with me. That was your testimony from the other week. Yeah, he's, he was in this. Uh, he walked me through it. Things happened. It, 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 what, what looked to be a very, uh, very tragic thing, actually, there was, a, there was multiple places where God showed up. God did something go, good. There was, uh, you know, this happened, that happened. We can we give the testimony. <clears throat> it's how I see God. But faith is in operation either one, either way. Faith is that place that attracts God into where I'm at. And that's what faith does. God, I move in faith God is showing up. So when I what am I attracting? Am I attracting um Things that are contrary to me to come to me, or am I attracting things that are flowing from the kingdom to come to me? I'm moving in faith, either way. Um, <clears throat> so this it the the in these te- in the parable of the talents, the ultimate goal is revealing the heart. What was what's in the heart of the person? And when God reveals our heart, it isn't it, And it, well. I'll say it this way. When God reveals my heart, if what is revealed is the room that I haven't turned the light on, and I'm not even sure how to turn the light on, God's goal in revealing my darkness is not to destroy me because of my, bar- my darkness. The point of exposing my darkness is he says, I am now coming alongside you as a consuming fire. This darkness, I'm going to consume it. Not because you're in judgment and I'm angry with you. I'm consuming it because when it's consumed, you're liberated. And if God is the God of love and he's also the consuming fire, one can't function outside of the other because it's who he is. Well, so for me, I I've come to this place, and this has been a growing, a growing progression for me, but... Um, grammar check would correct that because to say it's growing in a progression one one word after the other it's not good english so don't do that i've been doing a lot of writing lately so i'm used to being corrected a gazillion times a day because my english is so bad so i just had a flashback to editor <laughs> oh that's even worse so um um, so in this progression that I've been on, it's, it's understanding, as I've like been just reading the scriptures on the fire of God and what, what that means and where, where, where does the fire of God uh, uh, happen through the scriptures and what's God doing? It's like, every time the fire of God comes, His fire, yes, it's a consuming fire. It's a purifying fire. The goal is or the goal is, that the gold and the silver are refined, the dross is removed, and now I'm the fullness of what I was intended to be. The, the gold and the silver that was put in me at my very conception is now been tried and is being tried by the fire of God, the love of God, so that I'm, I, I can, I'm liberated and I can actually function outside of this nonsense that I've kept in me all this time that's kept me from functioning. Now I can actually say, you know, I'm a free man. So, you know, do I, in my life, do I manage from fear and a sense of lack or do I see potential and opportunity? Uh, how, you know, what, again, what's driving me? In, in Thrive Culture, one of the things that, uh, when Kat and I were putting that together and we put together the Money Mindset Mastery Course, which you should be taking, just saying. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why you're not taking it. It's stewardship. But one of the things that in, in there we help you do is realize I'm ch- I have to change the way I think about how I do things. And then I start to realize that in my life, I've been designed to function from what we call in Thrive Culture, what we call the win, wealth increase network. And so I get to this place in my stewardship, and in this, in this parable, it's, we see it in action, where everything I do, my, my question has to be, if I'm stewarding things, is this part of my win? So is this increasing my wealth network? or isn't it? And if it isn't, then I have to ask the next question. So if it's not increasing my wealth network, do I need it? Want it? And should I respond to the offer to have it? Now sometimes the answer to that can be yes. I mean obviously the other day I was coming out of town and I don't know what happened I was I found myself in North Milford and My truck must have been on some kind of auto something or another, but I found myself at Dairy Queen. (laughs) It was a sunny day, it was warm, and all just something was saying blizzard. (laughs) Did that fit my win? Well, it depends how you define win. It did not increase my network, my wealth increase network. It did increase my waistline, and I did order a small. Yeah, and, and, and with the small, I was perfectly content with that, and I went my happy way down my happy road, having had my blizzard. <laughs> oh, I got the new one. It's the Snickers one. It's new out this year. Oh, man. Whew. Don't even get me talking. <laughs> so that's where the meeting is today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all fenced in and everything. We we can't even escape. Yeah, all that. That's a weird theory. So, so when when I'm looking at things and I'm stewarding things, like is this is this necessary? Is this does this increase bring increase to me, or doesn't it? And I have to ask those questions when I'm moving forward, if I'm stewarding. So for the two, first two servants, the way they were looking at it, okay, I've been given this much, and I know that my master, there's always increase in what he's doing. I want to be where he is doing what he's doing. I want increase as well. So when he comes back, he says, look, you gave me this much, I, I doubled it. You gave me this much, I doubled it. Good, you're you're a trustworthy servant. It's interesting that the word trustworthy or trustworthiness, like when when you see it through the New Testament, it's linked to increasing something. So am I being trustworthy to see increase, or am I not trustworthy? And... You know, it, for, for if, if we go, well, oh, it's all just grace, and it's, oh, God just covers me, and I'm okay, and, and today I just, I just kind of feel this way today, so I'm just going to do this or this or this. Well, yeah, you can do that. You're, you're a free agent. You can do that. But it, tomorrow you're still going to have to deal with the issue of increase. It doesn't get you out of it. It also, oftentimes just makes it more difficult to get to it again because I got lazy. I mean, that's what Jesus says at the end. You're, you're, just a, you're a lazy servant. Now, hitting a point where you go, man, I'm just, I'm, kind, I'm just exhausted right here, and I'm going to take a nap, that doesn't make me lazy. That's actually wisdom so I don't run my body into the ground and kill myself which I can be prone to do because I'm wired that way. So taking a nap isn't being lazy, but being irresponsible is lazy. Putting off things, not addressing things correctly or fully because I don't want to mess with it, is being lazy. You know, uh, you go by a house where a hoarder lives, and you look and go, oh, my goodness. How in the world did this happen? What well, happened one piece of junk at a time? And you never took any away. You just kept adding more stuff to it. Well, that's, that's what unfaithfulness, untrustworthiness, that's what it looks like. I, this thing is sitting in front of me. The, the voice of Holy Spirit has given me instruction on what I should be doing, and I just don't do it. I don't want to mess with it. It's too inconvenient. Probably as our mindset shifts from a poverty mindset to a wealth mindset, probably one of the biggest biggest shifts that has to take place is just the day-to-day, minute-by-minute stewardship of my life because that's time-consuming. I don't want to do. That. I just want to be a free spirit. Okay. But when the free spirit drags its hide in here, going, I need help. I don't. I don't. I don't have any money. I'm, I mean, my car broke down. And my wife left me. I'm. Rah, 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 rah. See. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, but you never stewarded what you had. What we were talking about earlier today, that is all stewardship. That is all part of my wealth increase. And that's just being open and honest with the community. Am I stewarding my heart the way it should be? Am I being honest about where my heart is? Am I talking to the people I need to talk to about where my heart is? And if I stop talking to the people that I shouldn't be talking to, about where my heart is, have I aligned myself for success, or am I still hiding, still minimizing, and still going to the people that I talk to because when I talk to them, I don't feel better, but they agree with me? Or am I talking to the people that when I get done talking to them, I don't necessarily f- feel better, but they've told me a They've given me good counsel, and I have an opportunity to take the next step. What am I doing? Because I'm the one that has control over that. I don't, nobody else has control over that. So trustworthiness scripturally is almost always linked to increase. So am I trustworthy with the gospel? I've been entrusted with the gospel is there, can I look and see increase because of the gospel I've been entrusted with? You know, there was, there's been various testimonies. You know, Rob shared the other day about the person that called from out west and, to talk to him. It's like, where, is, is, is something happening where the, the gospel in my hands is increasing? Um, you know, for us, well, I don't even, we won't even need to go there, but is it increasing? Is it increasing? Is my focal point on me, or is it on others? Where's, where's my first, where's my de- default? Is my default always looking at things and going, well, I, you know, is this good for me? Does this benefit me? Is this in, working in my time? Is it working within? You know, we, we line up all the things, and we line those up, and we stack the deck if it's about me because all the things that I line up will justify me doing nothing. Actually, helping someone, being involved with somebody almost always is going to be inconvenient because we all have lives and our lives are, if, if nobody bothers us, our life will move in this direction. But people step into that direction because they have needs. Now we have to you know, there's discernment. There's a lot of other things that go with that. We, we have, and we'll talk about that again. But, at, but still, your need to a certain level is going to be inconvenient for me if I'm going to come alongside you and walk with you in the need that you have because I, I, now I have to make room. So that's inconvenient. When we talk about having compassion on people, the biblical definition of compassion it's not that I fix everything for you, give you everything you want, give you all the money that you're asking for and wh- whatever whatever your need list is. Compassion doesn't say I'm doing all that for you. Biblical compassion, Jesus had compassion was I'm agreeing to walk with you as you step into who you are and you start to be empowered to be the person that you're being. I'm going to be compassionate I'm gonna be there and be a part of that. I'm gonna speak a word of encouragement. It's not my, uh, generally, it wouldn't be my responsibility to pay all your bills, but I'm gonna have compassion and help you figure out how to pay all your bills and then have money beyond your bills. You know The, the idea of fixing something we we like that because it's expedient well i you know i have i need this much money no, i got that much money okay i'm going to give it to you that's expedient but if i don't do it that way then i have to start asking the questions or i should start asking the questions why don't you have any money what happened to the money you had what happened to whatever you did with the money that you had, you know, the, 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 the heart issue questions. You know, well, why am I always in debt? I don't know. I just, I just find myself in this place where shopping just satisfies something in me. I, I need to buy something because I feel bad about this or I feel bad about that. But when I buy something or I buy this, I feel better. And sometimes it's OK to buy that. It's, this isn't a, a totally black or white. It was, you know, it's okay to have the ice cream. But I can't park my hide at Dairy Queen seven days a week. Sucking down one blizzard after another. After a while, I look like the statue of uh, Bob's Big Boy standing at the Dairy Queen. It's like, no, you can't do that. So, again, it's like I'm stewarding. I have, to, I have to ask myself the right questions. I have to be honest with myself about what is God saying. i got to be willing to change in areas that I would prefer not to change. I guess I, in my earlier years, and I, I can do this, I can have this tendency now, too. It's not like it's completely gone. But, um, you know, me and procrastination, were best buds. Almost everything could be put off to later. And after a while, I mean, there were a few things that procrastination actually helped. But the majority, it didn't. So after a while, now I'm having to deal with the results of procrastination cars that were really broke down because I didn't fix the first thing that broke down, thinking, ah, it's all right. I know the light's on, but still starts, still goes down the road, still stops. Those are the big ones. So I don't think the light's that important. Yeah. And you're like, no, the little oil can light, that is important. You should check the oil. So then the engine breaks. So it's this place of, 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 ha- of being responsible and then not procrastinating, but doing things when they should be done, scheduling things out, and, and um, again, this the, the whole thing of stewardship. What does that look like? Does my lifestyle empower others, or do I only self-promote? And as I already said, Yahweh's judgment is designed to liberate us from, from our self-voice and our flesh and bring us into the freedom of the Holy Spirit leading us. And ultimately, that's what it's all about. is Am I, am I focused on a self-voice or am I actually hearing the Holy Spirit? And we have to learn that. That's not a, you just get it and you always know it. No, you don't. And in stewardship, it's being able to um, realize that Victories that I've gotten have to be maintained. It's not a one time, okay, I've done this and I don't have to do it anymore. It's, um, and, and I was reminded, of this just the other day that we had somebody sent a hundred dollar donation for foundation builders in cash. So it comes in the mail to my house. Well, it's no big deal. I, I wasn't ready to run right out to the bank. So I got a hundred dollars sitting on my desk so I don't forget about it because I needed to get it in the bank. So I'm working on something entirely different, and a voice says, well, nobody knows you have that $100 but you and the person who sent it. And so I dealt with that issue a very long time ago and have made sure that integrity always leads me to the right decision. What I did do, uh, and, and it wasn't like a, oh, I didn't break out in a sweat, like I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. Should I I put it in my wallet? I take it out of my wallet. I put it up there. I put it down there. It's like, no, I wasn't doing any of that nonsense. It just, It was a fleeting voice. But the voices are still there. You're still going to have to deal with them. Temptation doesn't leave just because I got victory in an area where I was once tempted. What I did do was finish up doing what I'm doing, and I had to be in town for some other stuff anyway. I went, I got up, took the money, and went and put it in the bank. Now I don't have to worry about it. The voice is gone. So stewardship will always be, it, it's practical stuff. It's just the day-to-day stuff. It's not all the big philosophical stuff. It's just, am I trustworthy? Is my integrity important? And is the fact that I am an imager of Christ, is that, is that what orders my life? Or am I still ordering my life? And I'm looking at the clock and realizing that I've talked way too long or I didn't get up here in time or something, I don't know. But no, don't apologize, it was great. I just looked at the clock and went, ah, oh, darn. No wonder people are leaving. Can't possibly be what I'm saying. Oh, we're just getting hungry. Oh, oh. Okay. Yeah, you getting a hungry. <laughs> Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for what you're doing in us. Lord, I thank you for days like today where you come into the room and your presence shifts everything. Continue to shift us, oh God. Continue to shift us into your image for your glory, and that your kingdom will be established on the earth. Amen.